Mac Power Users, episode 265, Apple Music. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? Hey, David, it's been a busy day, busy week, busy month for Apple. I'm happy to dig in with you. Yeah, yeah. And you've been busy, too. You told me you just finished an exam today. I'm I so did. I'm impressed with you that you can do that. I don't I, think I, I could do it. I did an eight-hour take-home exam on a estate planning. It was actually a little bit fun. I came in just under the 15-page limit, eight hours. And uh, and then 20 minutes later, I'm I'm on mic with you, ready to go. I figured I, I probably should, you know, get up and walk around a little bit. I just don't know I could do it anymore. <laughs> just don't know if I've got it in me. But anyway, we're here today not to talk about exams, but the new Apple Music service, which is really quite remarkable. And there's a lot to talk about. But before we get into it, just a couple general announcements. We haven't pestered you guys for a while about subscribing to the feed. You know, we move networks. We've got a new feed. So we'd like you to subscribe to it just to make sure everything works into the future. So please go ahead and do that. And we'll put a link in the show notes that shows you how to do it. Um, and uh, I guess I won't say anything more than that. And also, you know, it's been a while since we've uh, asked listeners to leave reviews for the show. You can do that once a year for us. It does help us. And especially with the the big move, I'd like to, you know, keep those reviews coming in. So if you have a moment, we'd really appreciate that. Hey, you know, it's my birthday week. They can oh, do it for my birthday. It's your birthday. It's not my birthday okay. today, but it's my birthday week. It is. Okay. Thanks for reminding me. Now I have to see if I can, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, will, yeah. they, will they deliver a Batleth? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think they just beam it on over. Yeah, they, they'll send it, but it, it probably puts your name on a list somewhere, too. So I'm not sure. But I, right. I was just saying that the, the listeners could give us a, a leave us a review at, for my birthday. Well, I'm, I'm, take, I'm birthday doing better present. than that, Katie Floyd. Okay. I, I, I just wrote it down in OmniFocus. Good deal. Anyway, um, listen, uh, let's talk about. Apple Music, because it's such a big change. I mean, Apple has always been the company on the battle between streaming and owning. They've been the uh, poster boys for owning your own music. In fact, I think Steve Jobs has even said things, you know, when he was asked about streaming. Well, you know, people don't want to stream. They want to own their music. And uh, I don't think streaming was even a thing when he said that. He just said yeah. people want to own their music. Yeah. But the um, but now, you know, they've got this new service and. And they've really mixed things up. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of new music services available. And we're going to talk about kind of the the legacy of music at Apple towards the end of this outline. But I think just going in, it's worth mentioning that, you know, Apple has a music pedigree. I mean, they this company was in large part saved by the iPod and iTunes music store. And for a long time, they were the go to place and they still are probably the biggest seller of music at least online music out there so and i think wanna... they're the biggest seller of music period yeah well i know that was like walmart and there were some other companies that were you know because they sell a lot of cds but so i don't want to but if you know that's great but either way they're they're huge in the business of of people going out and buying music they love and in the meantime in the background for the last several years there's just been growing movement towards streaming and uh, we're going to talk about our own personal histories of streaming. I know in my case, um, I tried streaming a few times uh, unsuccessfully. And then when Beats came out, and this was before Beats was purchased by Apple, but when it first came out, they had this big pitch that we have human created playlists and it's different. And so I subscribed and I liked it. And I've actually been a continuing subscriber of Beats now for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. 
Um, but so streaming has been coming up and even people who traditionally would buy all their music have been streaming music. So I'm sure Apple realized at some level they need to be part of that. Um, but the way they went about it wasn't how I thought Apple would do it when they eventually did. They, um, you know, Apple usually says, okay, we're going to do the new thing and we don't care about the old thing anymore. And it's not that. And that's one of the reasons why we made so much fun of them in the keynotes because it seemed jumbled. But in reality, what it was is they're having their cake and eating it too. They're saying like, if you're somebody who wants to own your music, we're going to support you. And we've got tools and services that you're going to like. And if you're someone who wants to stream, we got you covered. And if you want to do both, guess what? We got you. We got that too. So um, Apple Music is what I'm putting as the big name over all these various groups of services they put together. And they've all just went live this week. So if you're listening to this, you've probably got an update to your iPhone and your iPad, and you've seen an update to iTunes. And we're here to uh, kind of help you sort it out. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, the the reaction to Apple Music. Yeah. Um, in what way? Well, people seem to really like it. I mean, people are going... Uh, crazy for it. They love it. They love the Beats One radio. They love the ability to stream. And and some people just absolutely hate it. They think that, uh, you know, Apple Music has destroyed iTunes, that, um, you know, it, this has just destroyed the interface of their iPhone. Uh, the reaction so far, or, you know, Twitter's always very one-sided or the other, but uh, people seem to have very strong opinions on this subject. Well, I, I haven't seen anybody saying that they hate it and it's the end of all things, but I, I, I know some people um, who are leery of it because they're not interested in streaming. They're like, well, does this Please mean email David? Yeah. Well, I'm like, yeah. I'm just telling you, I haven't like, I've actually done read quite a bit about this as I've been preparing for the show. And I haven't seen any published articles that are just, you know, raking it over the coals. Maybe there's some individual users out there that feel that way, but in general, it seems like most people writing about this stuff for a living are pretty um, happy with what they've done. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there that aren't interested in ser streaming services and they're genuinely concerned that this is like a lot of things Apple does where, you know, suddenly their way of dealing with this particular widget, in this case being music, is about to change and they don't want it to change. I mean, um, and I guess we should say just in general streaming for those folks out there who haven't used it before, it's, you know, the concept is simple. You pay a certain amount of money per month and you're given access to a big library of music. Um, but you don't own that music. You're, you're in, in essence renting it. And as soon as you stop making that monthly payment, you lose that big pile of music. So, um, you know, you, and that's something that a lot of people justifiably aren't real interested in doing, especially if they've already bought thousands of dollars with the music that they really like. And I have intentionally, Katie Floyd, not asked you where you stand in this, because I think it'll be interesting to talk about it during the show. Um, so uh, getting back to your point, I think there's some people out there that are concerned about that. I personally, looking at this from kind of a big picture standpoint, don't see it that way. I don't think Apple is looking to choose one or the other i think they really do want to give users the ability to choose themselves well and obviously apple saw a market that they were missing you know apple until they acquired beats did not have a streaming service yeah, yeah. and there were a lot of users who were going to spotify or, or or other services and they weren't getting content for apple and i don't know what the financial implication of that was to apple um, you know, I'd be interested. I, I don't know if you ha you know the hard numbers or if you just have a gut feeling. But since you subscribed to Beats, I know you said you've been a Beats subscriber for about a year since I, I, Apple Music just came out. Generally, would you say that your purchasing of music has gone down? 
it's actually gone up. Um, really? And I can I can explain why. Uh, I mean, basically, the the really great thing about streaming is uh, whatever you know weird music fetish you have, they've got a lot of artists there and tracks that you've never heard before. Like I I'm crazy about Miles Davis. I thought I had known everything he had done. And I got into streaming and I found several like albums that I didn't even know existed or tracks that he did with other people. And I, I found myself not only streaming them, but also buying some of them, the really good ones at least. Um, so it's probably gone up for me. Um, and I think that's probably something Apple's aware of. And I, I don't even know that if it's about making money on music, I'm sure that's part of it. But to me, it's, it's just kind of having the ecosystem and, having people say, well, yeah, you know, it's like you would want to buy an Apple device because they've got all this cool stuff like, you know, this great streaming service and whatnot. I mean, that sells that, that probably makes Apple a lot more money than the actual music sales. If we were ever to get them to open the books. Well, and if you're to average it, you know, Apple music is going to be, let's just say for an individual $10 a month. Um, you know, that's $120 a year. I, I definitely, I don't spend $120 a year on music. I, I may spend $120 a year overall on, on iTunes purchases, probably definitely do, but not just segregated out on music. There's no way. I, yeah, so we, we, I, I may spend less house. than 30 or maybe yeah. 30 to 50. And we, so, so, and that's one of the questions I have for you. And I don't know if you want to answer it now. We can just be mysterious for another hour, but the, um, someone like you, cause I don't think you have as diverse of music interests as I do. I don't know. And, and, so someone like you, maybe this isn't right for you. And maybe this isn't something you're really that interested in. And how are you adjusting to kind of these changes from that vantage point? Do you want to tell me, or are we going to keep that secret? Well, or is it too, too early to tell for you? Maybe it's, it's a little early to tell. I, I was trying to see how many tracks that I had in my, uh, my iTunes music library, but I'm not sure if there's a, there's an easy way to tell, but um, I, I have a couple thousand tracks in my iTunes library for sure. And it's it's one of those things where I would say 75% of the tracks that I have in my iTunes library, I know all the words to all the songs. You know, I, there are very few tracks in my library that I don't know or I don't, you know, it, that I don't have some kind of connection to. I, I buy very few whole albums and it, it's really my favorite songs are, are in my iTunes library. Now that's not to say everything's a five-star song, but I am generally very familiar with the tracks in my iTunes library. And if it's not something that I like, I usually delete it. I usually just get rid of it. I don't like to have a lot of junk in my iTunes library. And so I, although I'm a fan of music, I don't listen to a ton of music. I, I have to be in a specific mood to to listen to music and I don't listen to music every day. And there's sometimes where I go for a week or more and I don't listen to music. And I know that's probably very bizarre for some people. Um, but when I'm in a mood, I, I like to listen to music. So well, well, that's good, Katie, because I, I think as we go through this outline, I want to kind of contrast the positions because for me, I'm definitely, I can already tell you we're going to subscribe. I've been a subscriber, so there's nothing going to change. And in fact, I get now for an extra $5 a month, my whole family gets to subscribe. And I can tell you what my kids, uh, and we're going to talk about this in the show as well. We, we really needed to go back to family sharing to make this all work. Um, we've now officially been back for two days. I have had zero complaints about family sharing from my family that, that wanted to lynch me, you know, a while back over this. Uh, and I think it's because they are all having so much fun downloading music. So, um, 
but either way, uh, well, so there, so as we go through the show, let's talk about this in, in terms of someone who doesn't listen to a lot of music or has the tracks that they like in general already uh, versus someone like me who goes crazy and likes to download lots of music. So, um, by, by the way, I found the number 2,200 songs. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just shy of 25,000. So, oh, wow. And, um, so it, it's, um, but you know, it, and I don't want you guys don't want to hear all this stuff, but I mean, my family is really diverse. My my daughter loves loves British like indie rock. I love 1950s jazz and, you know, uh, impressionist classical. My wife is an 80s girl, you know, it's so all this different. We've just got every, all of us have uh, my daughter sings opera. So just think about it, you know, how big our library is uh, anyway. um, So uh, so going on, um, you know, it, we've talked about iTunes and prior shows and and I'll put some links in the show notes to some of the prior shows we covered iTunes, but this to me is like a watershed event in that iTunes is changing dramatically. And, you know, those shows we did in the past had some key assumptions that you would buy and manage your own music. I mean, that was just an assumption. We never covered subscription services because they really weren't a thing then. Um, and, um, and they never were really that good or accepted when we required required those prior shows. But uh, with a new reality, stream models working and and there's still questions about artist compensation. But the licensing deals exist and there are several vendors, Apple included, but there's also RDO and Spotify and other people you can go to where you pay a monthly fee and get access to a big library. And that's that's how it works, you know, Um there's some advantages to it. We're going to talk about that in the show about, you know, sharing and discovering recommendations. But when, when you stop paying, you don't get anything. So like I'm going to pay $180 a year to this service um, to have it for the whole family. I could buy 180 tracks or I could buy roughly 18 albums a year. And I would own those albums till the day I die. Right. Well, or in, I guess if they're DRM free, sure. Yeah. And, and that's not going to be the case and and start multiplying over years. Right. And that's quite a bit of music I could buy rather than pay uh, $15 a month, you know? So in essence, you could buy an album or an album and a half every month um, and, and own it forever. Or you could pay this 10 or $15 a month and have access to this big library that could go away someday. Um, the, uh, and and I think that's one of the questions that needs to be in your mind. Now, wh- how you answer that question, uh, the way Apple's done this shouldn't matter to whether or not you want to still use Apple services for this music because they've got solutions for both. And we're going to talk about them both. But um, now there is an option on the table from Apple where you can pay a monthly fee and get access to nearly everything in iTunes. Well, and I think for me in particular, and and probably people who are in the same boat as I am, the three-month free trial is key because without that, or maybe even with only a month free trial, because it's not something that I use every day. In fact, I made myself use it in prepping for the show because it was such a busy week that I, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. That's what's going to convince me whether or not this is a service that I can use regularly or whether it's a service that I'm going to miss when I don't have it. Um, I used it Tuesday night. And I planned on really only playing with it for, you know, 30, 45 minutes was kind of the time block that I had allocated because I wanted to have some general familiarity with iTunes music for the show and, you know, my homework, getting ready for the show. And I tell you, I listened all night and I discovered music and and I didn't really discover anything new. I didn't find anything by any new artists, but I, I kind of found some some old songs by artists 
that I knew or that I'd heard of, but maybe maybe I had lost the tracks or were the tracks in my library and I just hadn't highlighted them, or maybe I didn't even have the tracks at all. And so I've already highlighted a few things that maybe I do want to go back and buy, or maybe maybe I want to go create some custom playlists on tracks that I'd already had, but had forgotten that I had. Yeah. And that's really why I'm subscribing. And, you know, we talk about, you know, when you do the math, everything gets expensive over time, you know, but the, um, uh, when you look at the opposite side of this thing, $15 is, you know, not that much money. You know, I, I took my daughter out for a pizza the other day and we could have paid for a month of Apple music for the cost of that pizza. So, um, if you really enjoy this, then I think this is something you should, you should check out. And like I said, I, I definitely got hooked into it. Uh, by finding new music by artists I already loved and frankly getting pointed to some other artists I didn't even know existed. And now I'm, uh, you know, going back to that same math, $180 equals 180 tracks. Well, I listen to probably a hundred new tracks every month with the streaming services. So I'm getting in essence, a lot more than that, you know, so there you have it. But, but I think we're, we're going big picture. I want to drill into the details. So um, let's talk a little bit about what Apple music is, because it's more than just a streaming service. It's got other components to it. Um, but before we do that, you want to take a minute to talk about our exclusive sponsor? Yeah, let's talk about our first or our exclusive sponsor for this episode. And that is our good friends over at Smile. And last month, Smile introduced Text Expander version five. And I think if I had to pick an app that I just could not live without and had to install on my machine very first thing, Text Expander would probably be it. Um, I I had to reload my Mac recently. I don't know if uh, probably seen it on Twitter. I, I had a logic board issue and had to replace some things and reformat the drive before I did. And just those really just minutes the text expander wasn't on my machine you just you realized and i was like oh got got to get this fixed got to get text expander back on here uh, because it has become such an integral part of my workflow that i i can't function without it so what text expander does is it helps you type faster by expanding little snippets little phrases you can pick what they are into much larger sections of frequently typed text and text expander 5 does this in some unique and even more helpful ways than before because text expander 5 is going to help you by making suggestions of your frequently f- typed phrases uh, so that you know when you might want to make an abbreviation so for example if you find yourself typing the same phrase or the same words over and over and over again text expander is going to clue you in with a reminder that says hey you've typed this word or phrase several times this might be something you want to make a snippet out of and it can then prompt you to go ahead and create that snippet um, sometimes maybe you've already created a snippet, but when we forget, you know, I've got hundreds of text expander snippets and it's easy to forget when I've created a snippet for something and when I haven't. So if I've typed something that I already have a snippet for, uh, and I miss the, an opportunity to use that abbreviation, uh, text expander is going to remind me about it. Uh, I just cannot emphasize how valuable a tool text expander is and text expander five really gives you the opportunity to up your game. Beauty about Text Expander is once you create these snippets, because you've probably spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out what makes a good snippet, creating these snippets, coming up with great abbreviations for these snippets. Once you've created these snippets, you can now sync these snippets across multiple devices. And with Text Expander version 5, you can now store these snippets in more places than ever. You can store them in iCloud Drive uh, or Dropbox. Uh, so they are going to sync instantaneously across all of your devices. Uh, 
They also have a new function for inline hotkey search. So if you can't remember what a snippet abbreviation is, but you know you've got one, type a few keystrokes uh, and you can uh, figure out what your snippet is right then and there and continue on. So you can use these snippets for anything. You can uh, use them for a couple of lines of text. Uh, you can use them for email signatures. You can use them for custom greetings. You can use them to expand entire paragraphs, or you can start getting really fancy and you can expand entire documents. Uh, maybe you can create documents that have fill-in snippets so that you can personalize maybe an email or a letter with, with greetings or um, special phrases so that they don't look quite so boilerplate. Uh, you can even go crazy with, with JavaScript and AppleScript uh, and do date and time math. I know, David, you post an example that I'll let you talk about a little later. Uh, but everything that you can do with Text Expander. Uh, it just it saves my bacon every day. Uh, so Text Expander 5 is available now. It has a brand new look and feel for Yosemite. Uh, they've also got Text Expander version 3 for iOS, so you can snip all of, uh, sync all of your snippets across your devices, including your iOS device. Uh, Text Expander 5 costs $44.95, but if you own a, pre uh, a previous version of Text Expander, uh, they've got upgrade pricing as well. So go check them out at smilesoftware.com. And thanks to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users. The the interesting thing about Apple Music is, you know, there are multiple elements to it, but the the streaming element, and we're gonna we have a whole section about streaming, but it it combines not only the ability to stream, but the music you've already bought. And this makes me another kind of perfect target for the service because I've been buying music from iTunes for a long time and I've got all this purchased music. I've got all this rich assortment of ratings and smart playlists and these things I've developed over the years. And that stuff all sits right next to the streaming stuff I can access through Apple Music, which is, you know, to me, the best of both worlds. I can have the stuff I own. I can also have the stuff I'm renting and I can mix it in uh, in playlists. And it's it's really great. And we're going to we're going to talk about that. The second element of it is this, what they call, uh, it's basically a radio service. Uh, they call it Beats One, which is a 24-7 streaming radio station. And they hired some notable DJs, including Zane Lowe. And uh, yeah, I didn't know who Zane Lowe was, was but all my British friends. Uh, Mike Hurley at WWDC was saying, no, Dave, you don't really understand. This guy is like, he's really great at interviewing. He's really kind of a voice and... He doesn't just play the top 40. He plays, you know, he, he has an eclectic mix and it's just a really kind of helps people find great music. And he does a really good job of all these things. My, my 18 year old who is a complete Anglophile. I mean, she, I, I'm convinced that I'm going to have to go to England to visit her in the not so distant future because <laughs> she's just going to figure out a way to get over there. Um, but she listens, she's been listening to Zane Lowe on, on the internet for years. So she's like, it's like suddenly her nerdy dad was involved with something remotely cool when she heard Zane Lowe was going. And, um, and it's just, it's really interesting to me. And we have a section of that in the outline too. So they've added a radio service and then they have this thing called connect, which is, you may remember ping. Some of our listeners may remember that, which was kind of a social service connected to iTunes that, that doomed kind of fizzled. to failure. Well, it fizzled. I mean, it, I, looking back, I don't think it was obvious it would fail when it first was announced, but, it, it just wasn't interesting enough, I guess, for people to really do it. And, and frankly, it suffered some, from some problems that they've solved now. Like one of the problems I had with ping was we all shared one iTunes account. So, you know, it was like the Miley Cyrus period in the sparks house. So people would see 
the purchases I made and they'd be like, man, David is weird. And, uh, it's just, you know, because we were all sharing one account. Uh, and this is not so much focused on users as it is on musicians. And we're going to talk about that, but it's basically a portal for musicians to say, Hey, here is a screenshot of some lyrics I'm writing, or here's a little video of me in the studio, or, you know, basically connect with their, their listeners and their fans. It's kind of like Facebook slash Instagram hybrid for musicians. Yeah. And, to post and updates. I, I have definite opinions as to what this means and whether or not it'll work. And we've got it in the outline, but just as an overview, we've got streaming, we've got the beats one radio service and connect what they don't talk about. But what is also true is that they still have all the old services. So you can still buy music. You can still do iTunes match, which will match your music. And you like beats one doesn't require an Apple music subscription. You know, you don't have to pay 10 or $15 a month to listen to Zane low on your iTunes or your devices. It's just there. So they've really tried to, it seems to me cover the, the whole demographic, you know, whatever it is that you want. Um, uh, but let's focus on the new and strange, which would start with the streaming music service. Uh, so, and I understand you've set it up, right? Yeah, I did set it up. It was, um, it was an interesting setup process. I mean, the first thing you have to do, obviously, is is download iOS 8.4, which came out last week. Uh, if you haven't already, you probably have a big red badge on your settings icon, so you can go ahead and do that. Um, you know, can I just interrupt as with a marketing message? Okay. At iOS 8.4, you can now read my field guides on your phone. That's totally unrelated, but open up iBooks and my field guides work on the phone now. Hooray. So anyway, uh, so there's another reason to download that. Uh, you also need to get it on your Mac. You need to update iTunes. So uh, yeah, but you know what? You, the books anymore, just you, the music. Yeah. yeah. You can also, you should update your Mac because the, uh, the iOS, or the, I'm sorry, the Mac OS update uh, gets rid of that pesky discovery D problem. Yeah. So if you, if you open iTunes now and, or you open up uh, iOS 8.4, you're going to have access to this new service and it gives you an opt-in process. And they tell you it's a three month um, option when you, when you click in now, now, now here's the thing to know about this is once you subscribe and you don't have to, but once you subscribe to Apple music and your three month trial, you're not charged at that moment. You're not going to be charged until the end of three months, but you are opted in. So when three months goes by from whatever point in time that you opt in, whatever your payment is on iTunes is going to start getting charged until you unsubscribe. So we'll put a link in the show notes, but there's some guides. It's very easy. You can either do it from your Mac within iTunes and your account settings, or you can do it from your iPhone, which is how I did it. You can go into your account where you manage any of your iTunes subscriptions. Like if you you know subscribe to Netflix through iTunes or Hulu or anything that bills through iTunes, you can turn off the auto renew. And I did just because I don't want to automatically, I don't like the idea of opting me in, honestly. I, I just don't like the principle of it, but I don't want to accidentally forget to unsubscribe later and then be billed. Yeah. And that'd be my advice too. If you're on the fence about this, if you're not sure if you're going to do it, just turn off the auto renew. And then as three months comes by, maybe that's a good test when it stops working for you. Do you miss it? And if it does go sign up for it. But for the three month trial, and I, I really recommend everybody do the three month trial. It doesn't cost you anything. And even if you think this is something you would never do, just like Katie found out the other night, you may find that you actually really like and discover more music that, you know, brings you a little more joy if you try it. And for three months, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, the, the actual um, setup process, once you say I'm in, 
is 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 taken, which is really interesting to me, kind of as an Apple nerd, from the Beats setup process. I mean, Beats works. See, I didn't, I didn't know that. I never had a Beats subscription. I thought yeah, it, it was odd. It, it works essentially the same way. You're you're given these bubbles, and they first start with genres of music. So you can say, I don't like country, and you can like pop the bubble for country, and you say, I really like jazz, and you can click it. And if you click it more than once the bubble gets bigger and then they know that you like that. You really like that. And so you can go through and kind of pick the genres of music that you like and dislike. And, and then once you click, okay, then they're going to give you another set of bubbles that lists some artists that are in the genres that you seem to like. And you can do the same thing. You can knock an artist out or you can make it bigger and you go through that process. It only takes a few minutes um, but I would recommend when you're doing it, like if you really want to make the recommendations even better, um, when you're doing the artist section of that, um, click more artists at the bottom. Don't just go with the first set. I went through it three or four times. And then when I finally clicked, okay, the recommendations it gave me were like spot on. And, and also frankly, some other people that I hadn't heard of that, that listening to them, I can see why they chose those for me. So uh, go through and spend a little bit of time in that. Don't just race through it. And um, once you do that, uh, you're done with the initial setup. I mean, there's really nothing else from it. Uh, if you're a Beats user, the Beats app got an update where you push one button and it jumps over to the um, it jumps over to the music app and basically imports your playlist and brings your your account balance into iTunes. So, like, I had recently paid for my monthly subscription and that got applied to my account and. That worked seamlessly and also brought in a bunch of my favorite artists and albums from Beats, which was kind of cool. Now, one thing that I, I thought was interesting is that it didn't seem to, even though it scanned my library on my Mac and on my phone, or at least it has the ability to, it didn't seem to take into consideration what I had on iTunes on my Mac or on my phone into my preferences. No, it doesn't. And and that was, in fact, I've got that a little lower in the outline, but one of the things I did after I got everything set up was I've created these playlists over the years and some of them are smart playlists and some of them are dumb playlists where you just drag tracks in. But like, I've got this one called cool jazz that I love and everything in there I like. And so I went into the playlist on my Mac and iTunes hit command a to select it all. Then I hit command I to do the show information and in the new show information dialogue in the new version of iTunes, not only does it have the star ratings, it also has the heart there. So if you just click the heart and oh, show information. So I, I basically liked for Apple Music all of the tracks with one swell foop, as they say. And and then I did the same thing. I said, show me all the songs that I've rated four stars or higher. I have a, a, a smart playlist that shows that. And I did the same thing. I selected all and favorited them all. And suddenly, you know, that even gave more information. I mean, one of the things about the streaming service, and I found this out with Beats, and I think you're going to find out with Apple Music, is you if you give it, and maybe this is another reason why they're giving you three months, but if you work with it, I mean, if you continue to kind of go ahead and favorite the stuff you like, and even just the stuff you choose to play and not play, it really gets an uncanny understanding of the music you like. Um, and it also throws things in there that you wouldn't have known, at least in my case, I didn't know existed, but are also music I like. So, I mean, there's some good data going on behind the scenes with all of this. So mm -hmm. you have to give it a little time, I guess is what I'm saying. That's a good tip. I've got a playlist of, of just what I call hits and greatest hits, which are three and four star music. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that. In fact, I'll do the, it now. Yeah. So 
the interesting thing about this is, so once you start it, there is a tab in iTunes or on your phone or your iPad that says for me. And you click on that and it's got recommended playlists for you. And it actually and, says for you, not for me. I'm sorry for, yes, exactly for you. And so the, um, if you click on that, and this is something that I do, I've been doing all the time in beats, um, where, you know, you just, you're just sitting around, like maybe I'm just sitting around in the morning, my wife and kids go off to the market or whatever. I've got the house to myself and I want to play some great music. And I just say for me and pick a playlist that looks interesting to me. And it's not something I've, I've curated. It's somebody else has put it together for me and hit the button and go. And it's great having new music coming through the speakers in the house while I'm in there alone. Um, and they've got this on all the devices. So, and, and I think that's the, um, one of the first places you're going to go when you start using this. But uh, the, the point I think a lot of people miss is that it's not just that for you tab that you need to go to. You've got the ability to go pull out pretty much anything in the iTunes library. So if there's music that you've always kind of liked, but never felt like buying, like there's a, um, there's an album that Bill Evans did at the, um, it's like three, it's a three album set. He did a live recording at the village Vanguard and I, I've always wanted it, but it's like 30 bucks or something. I've just never justified buying it. And man, I went and listened to it all. Um, I did this kind of actually back in my beats days, you know, when I first hooked up the beats and this is one of those where I listened to it and listened to it. And I finally said, you know, I just want to own that album. And I went in and bought the whole thing. Um, but that's an example of stuff out there that you can go find and really enjoy. And I don't know, I think I'm rambling a little bit. I'll let Katie talk. A little bit. Yeah. It's okay. Um, human versus robot curation. You want to talk about that? Well, so let's talk about that because that was supposed to be the beats difference is, you know, all of these other services, the Spotify's and, you know, except for, you know, maybe a few special playlists where they had guest artists come in and curate. Everything else was getting curated by a robot. Now is, was everything on beats human curated? And do you know, is everything in Apple music human curated or how much, how much of this is done by a robot and how much of it is done by me or, or done not by me, none of it's done by me, but done by somebody a lot smarter than me and who is much better musical taste than me. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a hybrid. I mean, obviously a computer is deciding which playlist to throw at you. Right. Because, you know, it's looking at your favorites and preferences, but the actual playlists that show up in the for you tab, as I understand it, are all human curated. I mean, I got one today that was like music for a barbecue, you know, it's 4th of July weekend as we're recording mm. this. And like, and it's definitely a human um, created playlist. It's really good. And, you know, I'll probably be playing it later today, but the, um, yeah, I've uh, got, I've got one right now that says, um, uh, intro to the black eyed peas. Hmm, not sure why that one, uh, playlist by Apple music pop. Yeah. And I think that's somebody in that department that's putting that together because I understand it, but, um, the, you know, that's one of the big selling points for beats from the beginning. And I think Apple is trying to make a big deal about that, too. I mean, I think this all plays to a theme. You know, why do they have this big movement towards this radio station and hiring these celebrity, in essence, DJs? Um, because they want to really emphasize that, you know, this is a human relationship with music and we're going to bring humans into the equation. Um, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. I mean, like in the other streaming services, people can share. I mean, and, and something I'm going to be looking into because I do like jazz music is, is maybe sharing some of my playlists out at some point. So that was always possible in others, but 
this is kind of a culture of human curation that you don't see from some of the other services. Um, but you can do more. You can create your own radio stations. For instance, if you've got like an artist you really like, say make a radio station. If you say you like the Black Eyed Peas and you say make a Black Eyed Peas radio station, it's not going to play just Black Eyed Peas music. It's going to play similar music. And as you go through that and you skip tracks that you don't like or, or you know, favorite tracks you do like, that station is going to get better and better over time. The other thing that's gotten smarter is Siri has obviously gained some, some ability with this. You've always been able to to talk to Siri and and say, play a certain artist, play a certain song, play a certain album, play a certain playlist. But now that Siri has the ability to um, look at the entire catalog, you can say things like play the top songs from... I, I don't know, the year that you graduated from high school or play the top songs from the year that you got married or play the top songs from what, I mean, if you just want to go back in time a little bit and, and reminisce, uh, those are things that you can do now, even though you may not have those songs on your computers, assuming that you're a subscriber to the Apple Music Service. And I guess that's the point is once you're a subscriber, you do have those songs. And if you say, what was the number one song in 2001, it can play it, whether you bought it or not, because you're in essence renting it. Yeah. Now, um, one thing you do have to be cautious of if if you're on the go um, is is cellular data use. Have you have you found that? To be, I have opted um, to turn off cellular data use for Apple Music because I I don't have as large of a cellular data plan as you do. I still probably have plenty. I think I've got, you know, four gigabytes, but I I have opted to turn it off and to wait and see kind of what my data use is these first this first month or two. Have you had a problem with beats in your use? Well, I've never had a problem until this month. And, um, oh, okay. But this this month is an anomaly. I spent a week in San Francisco and a week in Hawaii. And when I was in San Francisco, I had some large work projects that required me to use up huge chunks of data. So we have a we have a 30 gig plan in our house. Have I ever told you this? Yeah, I've, I've heard <laughs> yeah, the they, story. They had a deal and they said, we'll double your data. So I'm, I went from 15 to 30 and I kept it secret. And now all of a sudden. Until just, you didn't. Yeah. And now, um, you know, and my kids actually can get through quite a bit of data I discovered since they learned that. And uh, so, so we, we actually had to pay a penalty this month um, because, you know, we were traveling and we went over. So as soon as we get past the, the deadline for the reset of our data, I'll go back to streaming it. Um, but music really doesn't use up data like video does. And um, the bit rates on these aren't terrible. Well, I guess that's another question. I mean, you know, relative term, are the bit rates high enough or low enough? Are they low enough to make streaming possible or are they are they too low to make the music not sound good? To me, that sounds fine. Um, I know I had some uh, some listeners tweet in saying that they are not happy with the bit rates of the music in um, Apple Music. But uh, yeah, OK, so you, but getting back to your point about Siri, you can also say, you know, add an artist, you know, I'll add the new Mumford and Sons album to my library. That's a Siri command where you can put a, uh, a new album in your library with your voice. I don't know. I think that's great. You know? Um, so th they definitely have more Siri integration and that's, that's another advantage of going through the Apple as opposed to some other company service because it's integrated to the operating system. Well, and I don't think we've talked a little bit about that process you know, when you decide that you found a you found a playlist or you found an album that you don't own that's not currently in your music library and you want to add it to my music, what yeah. exactly is happening there? Well, it's it's really easy. I mean, you you there's a little plus button. You 
say add to my library and it's just like buying it except when you stop paying your subscription it's not going to be there anymore it's it's very um i think the the legitimate complaint here isn't that it's difficult to add music because they made it really easy the legitimate complaint probably is it's getting hard to tell what i own and what i don't own and um because as you start adding more and more music it may not be clear to you which ones are your own tracks, the ones you've purchased versus the ones that you have um, not. Um, the uh, but but in terms of putting together playlists, they go together just fine. In fact, uh, the one the one caveat to that is that you can't use smart playlists, at least so far in my experimentation with these uh, Apple Music tracks. Well, wait a second. Let me think about that. Yeah, you could. It's just they it just, they just don't add automatically. I'm rambling a little bit. Can I back up? Yes, back up. Okay, so uh, my my playlist system on iTunes works largely based on smart playlists because that's the easiest way for me. You know, I rate everything, so I'll say cool jazz is anything with the genre of cool jazz and three stars or higher. And that way, all the cool jazz that comes into my library, the stuff that I really like with three stars or higher gets into the smart playlist, and that's the thing that can sync down to my phone or my iPad or whatever. Um I could not add them to the smart playlist with, uh, directly in iTunes when I was prepping for the show, but of course I couldn't because the songs weren't starred yet. So all I had to do was add them to my library and put the stars in. Uh, but you can add them directly to existing non-smart playlists because those will take anything you throw at them. And one thing that's important is if you want to add something, you need to designate whether you want to add it for offline use or not. Yeah, and what that means is whether it's going to download or not. And if you're on your Wi-Fi or if you have limited, um, is if you're on your Wi-Fi versus cellular, that's kind of a, a question you want to answer. Do you want to, you know, do you want to use up enough cellular data to download the whole album? Um, and another question would be, what's the storage limitations on your device? Like if you've got a 16 gigabyte iPhone, um, you're probably not going to download a whole lot of music directly onto your device. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about iTunes Match, uh, about iTunes Match and how it compares to Apple Music, maybe some of the issues that have gone along with that. I, I think that could probably take us off on a rabbit hole for a little bit. So before we do that, do you want to talk about our sponsor again? Yeah, except um, I, I actually find myself in the role of Katie Floyd today because you keep jumping around the outline. And that's, okay. usually, that's usually my job. But All right. uh, one of the, the main things about streaming that I think we need to talk about for listeners is stars and hearts. And uh, because it's a cult, kind of a new paradigm about how you're going to manage this music. So let's do that. And then we can, and once we have an understanding of that, then I think iTunes match makes more sense. Okay. So that's a, it's an extended tease, but before we do, like you said, let's talk about our friends over at smile. And I, I was so happy to be part of what they were doing. I was in on the beta and I actually produced the videos. There's a group of 10 videos at their website and each one is five minutes or shorter. And it t tells you another trick that you can do with text expander. So if you want to get good at it, go, go to this website. We're going to put the link in the show notes and you can just watch whichever of the videos look like something you may want to learn. And, um, and so I went through and made, like I said, 10 videos and you'll really understand the application if you go through all 10 of those videos. But some of the new features of text expander five that are worth pointing out is, is um, one of them deals with phrases that you have already created snippets for. I mean, have you ever, you know, created a snippet and then you just like forgot you created it. And then you get in the habit of typing the stuff out over and over again anyway. All the that's, time. That's pretty common. And so now text expander 
um, will look when you type a phrase and say, hey, wait a second, you already have a snippet for that. And it'll give you a little notification that said, instead of writing those seven words, you could have just written X hamster and then it would have put it out. Um, so it, um, it works like that. And then it does the flip side of that too. It looks to see when you type the same phrase repeatedly and you don't have a snippet. And if you do it repeatedly and it'll say, Hey, you know what? You've typed that phrase a lot. Maybe it's time that you created a snippet. If you just click right here, I'll jump you into text expander and you can create a snippet and never have to do that again. Both of those features I think are huge. Um, they also made it easier to deal with a uh, custom snippet file location. So now when you have your snippets, you don't have to put it in the same place in Dropbox. You can put it in iCloud or in Dropbox or basically any um, uh, shared uh, uh, storage, cloud storage. Um, they simplify expansion of lengthy fill-ins by putting a single line and pop of fields at the top. So like if you've got one of those super long ones that's got like a fill-in that's got a two-page sales report, rather than have to scroll through the whole document to find where the fill-ins are, it just puts them at the top. So you can put in the name of the, the customer and the product and the pricing or whatever, and it'll just fill it in and just crank it out. It's uh, You have to kind of see it to understand it. Um, another new feature is the ability to search and expand snippets in line as you type. So if you know you've got a snippet that has the word turtle in it, you just type in your keyboard shortcut and write the word turtle and it'll give you the list of the ones that have the word turtle and you can select and hit enter and it pops it right in. So if you don't remember what the snippet was, it's very easy without lifting your hand off the keyboard to put it right in. I mean, there's so much stuff they've got. Kitty made mention of JavaScript snippets. Well, you know what the thing about JavaScript snippets is? JavaScript also works on iOS. So all of a sudden you're going to be able to have really complex automation type snippets and they're going to work on your iPhone and iPad too. These guys have been working really hard on making this just a fantastic application. Uh, you, you know, one of the tricks I talked about in the video, I'm going to share this one. I did a post on it because so many people didn't know you could do this. You can, uh, in text expander, you can hard code in a tab key. So if you're automating email responses, there's no reason for you to have to have two separate snippets for the subject line and the body. You just put the cursor in the, in the subject line and you have the snippet have a hard tab key in right after the subject line text and it will fill in the subject line. It'll hit the tab key and go down to the body and fill in the rest of your snippet. It's killer. So go check that out. Uh, can I give one last tip for Texas Matter, Katie Floyd? I guess so. Okay, so my white whale for a long time was coming up with a snippet that would allow me to, um, uh, to automatically fill in the name of the recipient from the email. I, I mentioned this recently on a prior show. I finally published that people are going nuts for it. So I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go get that one for free too. It took me a lot longer to create that than, than it should have. <laughs> but anyway, uh, text expander five, it's really great. These guys are always pushing the envelope to make it easier for you. Uh, everybody who buys this application writes us and say, I've heard you talk about it for years. How come I didn't do it sooner? Don't be that person. Just go get it. You're going to love it and let them know you heard about it from us. Okay. Um, so getting back, kind of finishing up on the music streaming, I wanted to talk about the, the differences between hearts and stars because, you know, they've got these two different things going on. Um, traditionally in, in iTunes, you had a star rating system and a lot of people um, don't use that, but I've always used it. And I use all five of the stars, like a one star to me is something saying I've reviewed this and I, I dislike it so much. I want it deleted from my library. Um, so I've got all these uh, fancy star systems. Well, with the new system, it's just a like 
it's a heart. You tap on it and you yeah, like it. But the it stars don't go it. away. No, they don't. And in fact, really, the likes are really about servicing, as I understand it, servicing the the engine that decides what you what you you know they should be serving up to you in the future. So it almost serves a different purpose. Um, so just, I guess you just need to kind of have an understanding as you go through that. How do you use the, do you use the stars at all in your music? Or? Oh, I, I always use the stars. In fact, okay. I even have a playlist. I think we talked about this on the last episode of the last iTunes episode. I have a playlist based on no stars. So if I have things that I haven't starred, it's either because I just haven't gotten around to it yet, or those are things that really just need to get out of my library. Yeah. So it's like an unrated list. Right. Um, yeah, okay. So I didn't know, because if you don't have that much music, you may just have it all you know, manually curated into playlists and you'd be done. Well, but the stars help me curate it into playlists. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so understand that there's there's two different ways to rate the music. And um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but you can do it on all the devices. So you can heart or like it on the iPad or iPhone or Mac. You can do the same thing with the stars. And and this is just another example of them not chasing away older users or users of the prior system. I mean, the stars did not leave. And then I think from there, and let's transition into the subject of iTunes Match. And a lot of people have questions about what is iTunes Match now that we have this new service. Um, iTunes Match really scratches a different itch. If you have a lot of music you've bought and you want to have it stored in the cloud so you can access it from any device. That's what iTunes Match does. In fact, up until, you know, this kind of went live, that's exactly what I used it for because I have nearly 25,000 tracks. They're all in the cloud. So on my phone, I don't have to keep all of my music, but I have access to all of my music and I can download or stream any of my, my purchased music at any time. Well, and it looks like based on some tweets from Eddie Q, who isn't it cool that he's tweeting a lot and spilling some beans? That iTunes Match is going to soon support more than twenty five thousand tracks. Yeah, the uh, I think he said he's working on a hundred thousand, so right, quad, you know, four times the amount of prior storage. So if you have a lot of music, that's that's a great deal. Now, the way you get iTunes Match is you pay twenty five bucks a year, and they you know they store that music for you, and it's just a great way to kind of back up your library. Um, when it first premiered, one of the one of the cool tricks with it is you can basically upgrade your tracks because they were all 256 K tracks where a lot of the older music we bought was 128. So by going iTunes match, you could re-download your music at a higher bit rate, which was cool. Um, so iTunes match isn't going anywhere. And this is kind of, this is one of the key points in, in me saying that don't be alarmed. If you don't want to have a subscription service, Apple is still supporting you in owning your music. And if you want to store it in the cloud, you can pay for an iTunes match subscription. And it looks like in the future, you'll be able to put up to a hundred thousand tracks up there that you own. And also if you don't like that, if you don't want to pay them 25 bucks, you can just keep it all on your Mac and manually, you know, cable it over to your phone or however you want to do it. It just seems to me like they're they're making it possible no matter how you want to play your music or keep it to do it. Yeah. And I think that where the confusion comes is when you subscribe to Apple Music, there is and I kind of want to be careful of the words that I use here. There is an iTunes match like service in the way that Apple Music works, because it will scan your library and it will allow you to um, download music that you have on one computer to other computers through the Apple Music service, even if you're not an iTunes Match subscriber. But it is not the iTunes Match service. And there's some caveats. 
Yeah, it, it essentially incorporates the cloud-based music to include the stuff you've already paid for as well. And um, like, for instance, I will be canceling my iTunes match or, or not renewing it as I, you know, move into the Apple Music. But if well, I, I think if you're all into Apple Music, then that's probably an OK thing to do. But but here's the thing with the with the DRM issue and, and um, uh, Serenity Caldwell, who we've had on the show a couple of times, did a very good article for for iMore about this that that I think really breaks it down. And and that is music that you download from Apple Music not iTunes match from Apple music is protected with DRM. And when you think about it, of course that makes sense because this is not music that you own. This is music, as you've said many times, David, that you're renting because this is a streaming service. When you stop paying for it, it goes away. iTunes match on the other hand is only matching music that you supposedly own or music that you've purchased. So with iTunes match, you uploaded your own music to the cloud or Apple matched music that you already owned from its database. So when you downloaded that music onto another computer using the iTunes match service, you did so without DRM because that was music that you already own. When you're going through the iTunes music ecosystem, all the music that you download from Apple music is DRM protected. Did I, did that yeah, make sense? Did I that? Okay. Was that clear? I think that summarizes it. But I, I do think that, like, before you go too deep into this, it wouldn't hurt to just copy all of your music that you own to a separate location. Right. And, and just have a kind and, of like an extra, you know, and I think in the wh- hole. where the panic is happening is some people say, well, this is great because now I no longer have to keep my music library on my computer because with SSDs, I don't have a lot of space. I can, you know, I can have Apple Music scan my computer and then I can delete all this music that I really don't want off my computer and I don't have to worry about the space and I can just download music as I want it and I don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a backup copy of your music without DRM and you rely on the Apple Music service to re-download your music, you will you will do so with DRM, and then when you stop paying for Apple Music, you're going to have a problem. Yes, that's so that was kind of confusing, but it's not worth paying to um, keep iTunes Match twenty five bucks a year just for what is essentially a system error on the fault of Apple. No, that's that's not a system error. What what I'm saying is if if you if you cancel your iTunes Match. And you you decide, I've got all this, let's just say I've got my 2200 songs on my MacBook Air, my SSD, my music, I own it, it's DRM free. I've either ripped it from CDs or bought it from iTunes, okay? So I've got my 2200 songs on my MacBook Air that's DRM free. If if I decide that I want to use the at, the Apple Music service and I upload all that music to, or I have Apple Music scan my library and or upload that music to Apple Music. And then I decide later, you know what? I'm really tight on space on my MacBook Air. So I'm going to delete my iTunes library and then start from scratch and only download those albums or playlists or songs from Apple Music that I really, really like. All that music that I download is going to be with DRM. That copy, that copy that I download from Apple Music is going to be with DRM. And why I call that an error is they should do a check when you do that upload. When you say, okay, um, I'm going in with Apple Music and Apple Music say, okay, well, we're going to compare We're going to take the existing library of Katie. And um, what's your, who's your favorite artist, Katie? Billy Joel. Okay, so it's a Billy Joel. Here's this Billy Joel album. And Katie owns it already. 
all they need is it's a, you know, it's a binary bit, a one or a zero. Does she already own it or does she not already own it? You know, and you should be able to, you know, when you download it, they should be able to strip DRM out of it, just like they do currently when you buy an album. Uh, if it's something you already own, it seems to me like this is something that they could solve and maybe they're working on a solution. And maybe they will. Know. Right. But I'm yeah. just saying currently today, as we record this podcast, maybe not be true when we release it, but that's how it works. Yeah. So, and, so, and so you're right. The bottom is line is make a backup. Yeah. Make a backup. And, you know, I, I've already for years, I've been backing up all my music. It's one of my OmniFocus tasks, you know, whatever I purchased or we've purchased recently. And just, you know, it's a folder in my Drobo and my transporter and it's got all my music in it. And I don't actually listen to music there. It's just cold storage for me. So if things ever went wonky, I'd have a way to get it back. Um, but the, um, uh, one of the points, it's kind of a side point is it's interesting how quickly Apple is pivoting and reacting which I think demonstrates how important it is for them to make this work. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do come out with a solution to this problem sooner than we would all expect. Um, but anyway, um, so it's um, so if you want to own your own music, you're not interested in streaming. Like I, I think Katie may fit ultimately in the iTunes match model where she pays 25 bucks a year. So she's got her 2200 tracks on all her devices, or maybe she buys devices with big enough storage that she doesn't even need iTunes match. She just downloads it all. I actually and, don't have iTunes match, but yeah. Okay. Well, so, exactly. So, so you can become a customer that uses uh, that you buy the music you like, you keep it on your device. You don't have any ongoing subscription. You don't have the access to all these other features, but you don't mind because you don't listen to music that much and you know what you like anyway. So um, that, that person is taken care of under this system. Or if it's someone that's a slightly more into music or has a bigger library and they want it to be available in the cloud for 25 bucks a year for, you know, one sixth of the cost or one fourth of the cost of, um, of a full year subscription. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused. It's $120 a year. So what is that? One sixth and the, um, one fifth, my goodness, there's a reason I'm a lawyer. Um, Anyway, um, that person is satisfied as well. They just buy an iTunes match subscription, or if there's somebody that wants to get a lot of music, um, they pay the monthly subscription and they have it all. Okay. Are you there? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So that's the, that is the, um, that's the big change. Frankly, Apple music is, is the big ticket item. Uh, a couple cleanup points on that. Um, there was the uh, Taylor Swift controversy. Some of the listeners may have heard about um, Apple was not going to pay artists for the initial 90 day period. They had to negotiate with the record companies. They were going to pay a higher rate after the 90 days so they could have the first 90 days for free. Taylor Swift and some other artists said, we don't like that. And Apple quickly said, okay, well, we'll pay you guys during the 90 days. So that was kind of an interesting thing and interesting in the sense that they got Apple to move very quickly, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and then there is the software and UI elements of this. I think this is probably the place to talk about that because the other stuff is more services. What do you think of the user interface with the new music app on iOS? Uh, it's fine. I, I don't care that much. Honestly, I know some people are not very happy with it. One of the, the little tweaks that I've made, one of the, it, it's very heavy emphasis on the Apple Music service and on streaming music and less emphasis on my music. In fact, there's only one little button in the far right corner now that has any emphasis on my music. And for me, or 
if I'm not going to be an Apple Music subscriber, that's kind of a big deal because now all of my music now has to fit in the small little corner of my screen. Um, one of the things that I've done, you know, previously it was, you know, my music, then my playlist, and then I could organize by artists and, and I could tweak all those. There's really no way to tweak that selection at the bottom of the screen, uh, except uh, you can remove if you're not interested. Um, if you go into the parental controls, which seems to be a hack for a lot of these types of things initially until Apple fixes it. Uh, if you go into parental controls, you can turn the restriction on so that you cannot see um, Apple Music Connect, and then it will replace the connect icon at the bottom with your playlist, which I have done just because I almost always trigger my music from my playlist. So I like having quick and easy access to my playlists. And I really don't care about connect. So that's a that's a user interface element that I've liked um, changing. Some people don't like the big recently added bar at the top of the music screen on iOS. I don't really have strong opinions about that either way. But you also have a playlist button at the top of the screen. In the music section? Yeah, yeah, on the main screen. When you open the music application at the top, it says library and playlists, at least on mine. No, it doesn't on mine, I think, because I've added the playlist button now. Okay, yeah. either way. But you're right. I mean, if you're not going to get into the streaming, you've essentially been given, we used to have four buttons across the bottom, now you have one. Right. You can change that button, um, but... It's just one. Um, I think, though, it, it's I do kind of like the whimsy of the application that seems appropriate for a music app. I like the color um, of the app icon. Yeah, me too. Um, I also think that this is a 1.0. It feels like a very 1.0. There's still some some weirdness in it once in a while, but I suspect that's all getting ironed out. Uh, iTunes 12.2 is also, um, a, I think, a nice upgrade. The user interface doesn't feel terrible to me. Um, yeah, it's but kind it of doesn't feel any better. Yeah. Well, I, I just, mean, it didn't get any better. I, I, I don't think in it that it just got even more cluttered at the top. I, I would argue that if it doesn't get worse as they at, keep adding stuff, that that's actually um, doing well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This is a, a years long debate about what to do with iTunes because there's so much going on in iTunes. And um, I, I don't know if, if it's ever going to get better. I'll tell you one thing I really like because having been, a, um, a legacy Beats user, Beats did never had an app on the uh, on the on the Mac. So the only way to play your Beats music was to play it through the web. And interestingly enough, it used Flash. And since I don't load Flash in Safari, it was like one of the only apps that I had to use Chrome for. If I wanted to listen to music, I had to. If I wanted to listen to app, the music service that Apple purchased, I had to load Chrome and and use flash to get it to work which was nuts and now it's just right in the itunes and it's great because like one of the things you can do is you can control it with the keyboard key you know the music control keys on the keyboard which you couldn't do when it was in the browser so it, it's an improvement for me on the mac um i i i don't hate the uh the new version of the music app i there's some parts i like and some parts i dislike i kind of feel like that's kind of still in motion but um Overall, it's it's pretty good, and and I guess the last point on the streaming service is, if you're going to pay fifteen bucks and you've got to share it with your family, there is a consequence for that, and uh, that means you need to set up family sharing again. Oh, that's or, not a consequence to anybody but you. I don't know. I got a lot of email from people that agree with me about the first take on family sharing, uh, but so I so I did set it up. I teased it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, went ahead and set up family sharing. Um, 
it still has certain limitations, you know, I mean, like, like I said, you know, in-app purchases and things like that will need to be purchased again, but overall it's much closer to delivering on what they promised when they first announced family sharing than it was when they first released it. Um, like before the show started, I ran down and got my wife's phone and ran uh, app updates. Cause I don't know if you recall when I talked about this last time, her apps would not update when we set her up in family sharing, it just wouldn't work. And they fixed that now and they fixed a, a bunch of other bugs in it. So it works a lot better and we've been using it for two days now and it's early, but it looks to me like it's going to stick this time. Oh, one thing we didn't mention in the UI section is that audiobooks have moved. Yeah. So if you're a big audiobooks user, you now have to get them in the iBooks app, which David doesn't mind because it gives you a reason to open the iBooks app. Yeah, please go to the iBooks app every day. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but but family sharing has been actually pretty good. I mean, the apps are updating multiple devices. Are I mean, this this thing we've constantly ran into is that it, with a family of four, you can't have everybody owning an iPad, a Mac, and an iPhone because that's 12 devices. You only get 10. Now that problem is solved. Although I have an issue. Oh, boy. Uh, of course it, you have an issue. Well, I mean, it's just there's something broken because I deauthorized all of my, my wife and kids' computers off our main account, as I said, of family sharing. So the, the way I used to do it was we all had a shared account, one master account. And um, so all of them were, their their account of record for their Macs were the, the same account. And you can put up to five Macs on one account. And we were at five. Um, but when I deauthorized them, the deauthorization didn't stick. Uh, so I deauthorized them from the main, the shared account we always used and reauthorized them on their own personal, you know, iCloud accounts. All that worked fine. But then when I went to put my laptop onto the, the original account, it won't stick because um, it says that all the five units are used. It, Apple has not registered that, um, that the other computers have been deauthorized and it's been several days now. So something's just broken. I think I'm going to have to call them. And, yeah. um, there, there is a setting in there. I know for people out there listening that once a year, you can push a button and reset all the authorized machines. I, I think you can even do it now within your account settings even more frequently than that. If you go into iTunes and go into your account. Well, I, I did. And they said, no, you did it last November. You can't do it oh. until this November. So, and I probably did it last November. You know, something going on in the family. Uh, you know what? It was back with the original family sharing fiasco. Well, because yeah. you just got to wait. Yeah, that's okay. I'll just call them up. I think that I'm not, I don't think it's a big deal, but if somebody out there is, is running into that problem, you're not alone. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the other two pieces of Apple music beats one and connect. So I'm interested in, I was very interested in beats one and I, it's something I, I really want to like, because I think it's something that the cool kids really like. I cannot get into it. I, I it's, I, it's just, I know everybody has their own personal preference, and I know that that's why there are zillions of different music stations out there. But the idea that Beats 1 is the one music station to rule them all, and maybe that's why it's called Beats 1. Maybe there'll be a Beats 2. Maybe there'll be a Beats 3. Maybe they'll have different takes on everything. I think it's probably a very popular music station. I, I think many people will probably like it, but I just... I don't know. I, I haven't, I don't, I don't know any artists that are played on there or very few artists. And I just, I can't get into it. I, I know more artists on there than I thought I would. And that's because of my 18 year old, you know, she yeah. exposes I'm me to the music. So the wrong, uh, wrong yeah. target audience. Yeah. I don't think it really matters, but it is interesting that Apple is in the radio station business and not only are they in it, I mean, they are really in it. They went and hired, 
at least in their opinion, the best DJ in the world. Um, they're spending significant marketing efforts pushing this. Um, I think it really talks to them wanting to kind of take control of streaming and once again, just kind of reassert themselves as a dominant technological force in, in music. And I can see through observing my daughter and her friends that, you know, they are listening to it and it's not because their dad's a geeky podcaster. I mean, I, they listen to it. They like it. And um, I, I kind of see where they're going with it. I, I don't know, you know, whether it makes sense at the end of the day or not, but um, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. It's in a hundred countries. It's global. It's simultaneous. That's kind of cool, you know? And um, I am I, interested in some of the shows that are coming out on it. Like I know, for example, I'm very excited about Elton John's show that's coming out on it. Um, and you can actually listen to those after the fact there's a way that you can go in and listen to things that have aired from previous hours or previous days. Well, as a jazz nerd, I, there, I can think of a few people, jazz artists that I think would be excellent additions. And I know this is kind of treading on the serious, you know, XM uh, satellite radio ground, but I would not be surprised to see Apple going that way. I mean, they, they definitely want to create their devices and their, you know, their ecosystem as a place that people go that want to connect to music and whether it's through the radio or the connect thing that we're going to talk about next. Uh, I think they want it to be the location. Right. Now, I know this goes technically. Technically, I don't think these are radio stations, but you find them under the radio tab. I mean, in addition to Beach One, that you also have a series of other stations. For example, I have found ones that I like. The classic rock station, you know, they've got a classic rock station. They've got one called the mixtape. They've got a country station. They've got an NPR station. They've got a ESPN radio station. Now, some of those are really, I think, just curated playlists like the classic rock. I know you can go through and skip and skip and skip and skip and until you find something that you like. But um, so they're not really DJed radio stations, but you can typically find something in there that you can put on and is a little more suitable to your taste. Yeah, but I mean, uh, Beats One is a completely different animal in the sense that there are people on there talking right, and no. doing interviews. It's it's it really is a really feels like almost traditional radio on a global scale. Yeah. Um, the uh, but it, it, I also think this kind of goes to the general theme they're pushing that you know this is human curated music service, and even the radio station they'll talk at length about why they chose what songs they're going to play. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, um, it's interesting. I guess we'll see. Uh, I think both beats one and connect are things that you almost have to just see how it plays out. But I can, just from my initial observation, my daughter's demographic beats one seems to be kind of a success, at least in the small pocket of orange County, California. So yeah. see. now what does she think about connect? Um, you know, we haven't talked about it yet. I, we looked at it and she thought it was cool, but you know, I think connect is going to either become, you know, marketing nonsense, or it's going to be something really special. I mean, if artists really do take the time and say, Hey, here's a, a picture of some lyrics I'm working on, or, you know, something beyond just the usual marketing nonsense. Like I was just looking at mine and Mumford and Sons is talking about how they have a new video. I'm like, well, you know, that doesn't really feel to me like the intimate experience that they try to convey with connect. That feels to me like, Hey, everybody, we got a video here. It is. I would rather see kind of how they go through their process. And, um, and I guess that's dependent on how much artists adopt it and how many users or, or fans, you know, read it. So this is something that I, I think definitely, if there's any one of these that could become a flop, I think it could be connect. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that way as well. 
I don't feel I, it's a flop, but I mean, I think if the, it just seems to me like it's a very delicate balance between marketing nonsense and actual kind of intimate, you know, um, experience with the artist that you love. One of the things I'm disappointed with is like all my jazz, you know, I, I don't just like dead jazz players. I also like some living ones too. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard for the dead ones to publish yeah, on connect. But I am, um, but the, um, but none of the ones that I like that are living are as far as I can tell doing anything with connect. I, I would like to see yeah. people in more, you know, exotic genres kind of adopted as well. I think it would be cool. I, I think connect has a narrow window in which to make itself relevant. That we'll could see. be true, but I could also see it expanding. I mean, it's like, why wouldn't this turn into a way I could buy tickets or, you know, buy t-shirts or, you know, I, I could just see it growing as well. I mean, I, I don't know. This is a, um, one thing I would recommend when you first set that up is go through connect. Cause it, you know, Apple's pretty liberal with who it puts in your connect library. Like, um, because we've had this shared library over the years, a lot of my daughter's favorite artists showed up in it. Now that I've, you know, been able to boot them out with the family sharing, I, I had, a, I was following a bunch of artists that I'm not interested in. So I was able to go through and unfollow them. So go through and, you know, curate yourself a little bit in your connect library. Um, I have one section in the outline called airing of grievances. You want to do that now? Well, the DRM one was a big one. You've got more grievances. Yeah, I do I have a couple. Uh, oh boy. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's early, but you know, like Sonos support, I, th I feel like it should have been there. Sonos is. Well, now why, why do you think Sonos would be there? Because Sonos is not an Apple product. It's not a beats product. It, but why, beats why would Apple support that? You got to let me answer, Katie. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm just asking Because Sonos, Sonos has been on Beats, I think, since day one, or at least since I first subscribed. So it's always yeah, but, been in the Beats app. And Sonos Beats, has always supported Beats. Beats was in Sonos before Beats was Apple. I agree. But it seems to me like the connections are already made. Or it seems to me like it should have been supported. And they have since said, oh, yeah, we're going to support it. And we're working on it. And it'll be out soon. But they haven't been very specific as to date. In the meantime, um, I... I just play it the way I always used to play iTunes and podcasts through my Sonos system. I have an airport express connected to one of my speakers and um, I just play it through there and it works fine. If you don't have an airport express or a Sonos with an input speaker, but you've got an Apple T TV connected to your Sonos system, you can do it the same way. Play it through your Apple TV and it'll come through your Sonos. I know that's a niche thing, but I know a lot of our listeners also have Sonos. So, you know, it's not there yet. I know they're working on it. In fact, someone from Apple has committed that they're, they're making it a priority. Hey, let um, me ask you, and, and this is someone who's considering, you know, because I've considered buying a Sonos system. I've been on the fence a couple of times because you and other people have, have spoken so highly of it. Um, but I've kept with my AirPlay system. And I actually, as I was listening to, to Apple Music the other day, thought, you know, it might be a good idea to get some better speakers for my kitchen. I've got these great Audio Engine A2s in my in my. Um, uh, study, but I, I thought, you know, maybe I'll get some better speakers for my living room area. And then I thought, well, maybe I should get a Sonos system again. Is this the time someone should buy a Sonos system or would you wait and see? Um, they've made some improvements to the underlying technology in recent years to make the connections better and stronger. Um, I guess if you're gonna, if, if you're a big Apple music user, I would probably wait until they announce that it works with the Sonos. Cause you want that first experience to be right. Um, but I, I, I could always confidently recommend Sonos, you know, so long as you can afford it, they, they're not cheap. You can find cheaper speakers, but I've had listeners writing to me complain that I keep talking about how expensive they are. So I'm not going to do that anymore, but um, the uh, there, it's just a great experience and I love it. 
you listen to it all the time. I have one now. Um, was I think last Christmas, the big father's day or the big father's gift was I got a play bar now. So I've got one under my TV. So basically everything in the house plays through Sonos and it's wonderful. So I, I would recommend it. I, I just, I think we could see beats come out with a competitor. We'll say. I, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure how much Apple's interested in the speaker business. Um, I'm not even sure how much they really are interested in the headphone business. I think really the reason why they got beats was this thing that we're talking about today. Um, anyway, um, so do what you want, but, but for now, if you want to play Sonos for this stuff, you've got to have a back way in through an airport express or an Apple TV, um, home sharing was removed. So which home sharing was a cool thing where you could like go on your Apple TV and stream music from your Mac. Um, my guess is this is a licensing issue and they probably, you know, in, in exchange for getting the deal to stream music, they lost the ability to do home sharing. Um, the, the 1.0 software issues we've talked about, some of them seem a little, um, you know, some of these things I think are just going to get ironed out over time. Um, uh, one of the complaints I've heard that I don't really sh- necessarily share, but I can empathize, 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 yeah, empathize, empathize with man, Katie. I'm still recovering from my vacation. Can you tell? Apparently. Trouble with math. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, anyway, it's complicated. You know, it it is complicated because there's there's these different types of services and you don't know which is which. So hopefully having listened to the show, that won't be your complaint. Um, And another complaint I've heard is there are some missing artists, missing artists. You don't get uh, the Beatles and Prince are two that I'm aware of, but I'm sure there's more. Um, and that's once again, just a licensing deal. So you, you don't necessarily get everything in the iTunes library, but you sure get a heck of a lot of it. So what are our takeaways? Well, I think you're subscribing and you're staying subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big deals for me is, is this is a big deal for Apple. I mean, this is not a me too product, you know, streaming has been around. So Apple says, okay, we got a streaming service. Here it is. This feels like kind of a, a big push for the company that they're putting a lot of their resources behind it, trying to make it really successful. You see that not only from the amount of marketing that they're putting behind it, but also how quickly they are to react. Like when the Taylor Swift thing came up, like within a day or two, they had a solution to it. Um, Somebody internal to Apple has tweeted about them supporting Sonos. I mean, how often does Apple do stuff like that? So, I mean, it's clear that it is a new Apple. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's also clear that this is important to them. I mean, you know, you're not going to hear someone from Apple tweeting out about, you know, some change to iBooks author, but you are going to hear about it with this. And, and I think going back to the thing about music roots, I mean, it's true that the iPod really rescued the company. And I think they, they want to be the dominant technology player in music. I mean, another example we didn't mention on the show, they're coming, they're bringing the Apple music service to windows and Android. I mean, this clearly isn't something just to sell iPhones because they're putting it on other platforms. They just want it to succeed. So anyway, so uh, time to commit. I'm in. I'm going to be subscribing. I mean, my family is already hooked on it. I mean, between the four of us, we are definitely get our money's worth at $15 a month. Um, Katie, sounds like you're on the fence a little bit. I, I am on the fence. You know, it's I'm I'm pretty frugal and I don't know. I don't know if I'm 120 bucks a month in. I, I have never spent a lot of money on music. Um, 
I, I certainly haven't spent 120 bucks on music. So I don't I don't know that I'm in. But, you know, the good news is, is you can get a lot for free with Apple Music. You can continue, you know, you, some of it's going to be ad supported. Um, if you want to continue to use the streaming station, you're not going to be able to get everything you want when you want. But there's there's still some stuff for me, even if I decide I don't want to pay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're only adding 30 tracks a year, then maybe it doesn't make sense for you. Um, anyway, it, the, the big I'm, thing will be the big thing will be after it's over. Do I miss it? That's yeah, what that's, I'll know. That's a good way. That's a good way to judge it. Um, uh, so you listeners, you probably have some opinions on this as well. Send it into us, especially as an audio note. That'd be great. And we'll put it in the live show uh, either or send us a written note. We'll talk about it. Um, I'm sure there's some people out there with some opinions we haven't shared yet, but overall I'm, I'm impressed. I, I like what they've done. I'm sure there's some execution errors that are still being figured out, but in general, I like that they have come at this in such a big way and thrown so many of their resources at it. I hope connect succeeds. I would love to be able to follow the artists I like and see when they're working on their next album and things like that. I, I, I would be fascinated by that if, if it goes that direction and the streaming thing, I am all over it already. And you know what? It's free for three months. So Apple's got a little bit of a grace period to figure some of this out. It's 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 kind of hard for us to hold a grudge when you're not paying paying for it. Yeah, that's true. So. Well, thanks, Smile, for uh, sponsoring the show. Uh, we love having Smile on as a sponsor. Um, we'll probably ch- uh, check in again about Apple Music with the first live show in August. Because as we record this, we're just about to record the live show for July. It's too early. So like I said, get us some stuff, get us some notes in. Uh, in the meantime, Katie, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode, as long as, as well as all of our episodes over at our new home at relay.fm slash MPU slash uh, 265 for this episode. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. The show is Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd. And David is at Max Sparky. Hey, don't forget, you can ask questions for the show with ask MP, hashtag AskMPU on Twitter. So just if you've got a question, say uh, send it to us on Twitter with the hashtag AskMPU at the end and automatically goes into our database. And it's got a much better chance of finding its way into the live show that way. Um, we will see you all next week and uh, happy music listening. Happy music listening.